Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast with our senior pastor, Ben Martinez. Don't forget to check out our website at calvarychapellubbock.church. There you'll find a lot more about our mission to love God, love people, and live radically. Now here's Pastor Ben. If you recall, last week, now I always say last week because some of you weren't here last week, we left with Paul painting us a picture. It was a picture of humility. You see, God has called every one of us as believers to walk in humility. The opposite is pride. A lot of us have the gift of pride. We walk in pride. We want to make a name for ourselves. But Paul says, no, 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 no. As a believer in Jesus Christ, you and I, we need to walk in humility. So he paints this picture. And and what we really grasped last week, if you were here, is we learned that we should have, you ready, a submissive mindset. A submissive mindset. Now, we learned a little bit about that as Paul says that, that wives are supposed to submit to their husbands and husbands were supposed to be submissive in a sense to each other and we all should be submissive unto the Lord. We should be submissive in obedience to Him. That's key. But we should, we should have the mindset. And what we learned last week, if, if you recall, we remember chapter two, all of chapter two of Philippians, Paul's going to continue to paint this picture of humility, and then he's going to paint it using Jesus. And we saw that last week. And then Paul's going to paint a little bit about himself. He's going to paint a little bit about Timothy. And then he's going to paint about Epaphrodites. These are all key players in the book of Philippians. Now, going back to last week, we discovered in verses 1 through 11, ready? You and I are called, and I want you to grasp that. It's not a suggestion. We're called. Everybody say called. Called. We're called to what? To live a life worthy of the gospel. You see, when God saved you, he didn't save you just to go, okay, well, I love you, you're saved, now go play. He saved you for a purpose and a reason. If the only reason God saved you was to take you to heaven, the moment you got saved, you'd go to heaven. Lord Jesus, come in, boom, you're in it. Okay, done. But he says, no, he leaves us here. We get saved and now we're here. What do we do, Lord? He says, I'm calling you to walk worthy of the gospel. Walk worthy, walk worthy. Do you guys remember what it meant to, to live a life worthy? Worthy means, again, think about this. It's that balanced that you're, you're worth your weight in the gospel. That what you say is how you live. It's how you truly believe. Walk worthy? Yeah. Walk worthy of the gospel. And so what Paul does, he goes, listen, in order to, to hammer this home, I need to teach you the principle first, and then I need to paint the picture so that you grasp this. So what does he do? Well, Paul begins by helping you and I look deep in our hearts to make sure, you ready, that we're representing the kingdom of God. That we're representing the kingdom of God right. You go, what do you mean by that? Well, think about this. If you and I were to go overseas, if you and I were going to go on a trip, wherever we might go, we are now representatives of the United States. And we are called to represent the United States well. A lot of times, people don't represent the United States well, and it's a reflection on all of us. You understand that. 
If someone goes to Israel and is rude and crude to the people and the servants and all of this stuff, you and I would stop and go, hey, hey, listen, listen, they don't represent us well. These are not how the citizens of the, all the citizens of the United States behave. We're sorry. They don't represent us well. Well, it's the same way of the kingdom. There are some believers who don't represent the kingdom well. And at times you and I go, hey, hey, wait a minute, wait a minute. They don't represent all Christians. That's not how all of us are. Now, here's the problem. You ready? The problem is, is when we are misrepresentative, the world lumps us all in together. Oh, you're a Christian? Oh, okay, well, you must be like... And then they name off these fellas or, or whoever it might be, if you will, who didn't represent Jesus very well, did they? And so God is calling us, guys, that we are to what? We are to represent the kingdom well. That what we truly believe is how we behave. Now, I love you guys, but I want us to take a step back for just a moment and then ask yourself some hard questions. Do I represent God's kingdom well? Because, see, the opposite of that would be hypocrisy. I'm saying one thing, but I'm living a whole different way. And that's hard to deal with because now the Holy Spirit will begin to knock and say, hey, hey, listen, I want you, I want you to behave what you believe. How are you believing? And, and again, you start to believe, I want you to behave, but, but does it match? Are you truly representing his kingdom? God's not asking you to be perfect. There are times when we misrepresent God. Amen? We just do. We, oh, I can't believe I said that. There are times when you're stressed out and what comes out is not what you really wanted to come out and all of this stuff. I'm talking, but on a, on a, on a, on a consistent basis, your character represents the Lord. How so? Well, when a brother or sister needs you, you're quick to pray with them. Let's pray. Let's pray. How are you doing? Let's take it to God. You're quick to pray. You're quick to give. You're quick to serve. These are all the characters, again, that, that we're looking for. What do I need to do? So what does Paul do? Paul says, hey, hey, listen, let me ask four questions so to, to get your hearts ready to see if if those who belong to God. He says, if you belong to God, this is what should happen. He goes, he says, number one, are there any encouragement from belonging to Christ? And, and I think about that. Is there any encouragement for us being part of a family? Guys, there's a great encouragement. Why? Listen, I left my family 20 years ago to come out here, but God's given you as my family. And when I get to come on a Sunday morning and see my family, it's much more than, well, people come to my church. It's, it's family. It's family. And you make my heart glad. It's family. And I want, you, you know, you and I want to extend that family as much as we possibly can, but your family, your family. So of course, of course we have encouragement from being part of the family. We have, we have encouragement, we have joy, we have peace. We're family. Much like the Pointer Sisters used to sing, we are Family. That's right. That's what it is. He asked another question. He says, is there any comfort from his love? And yes, guys, in, in those lonely times, 
and the times of stress. Now, I know none of you have ever been stressed out, but if you are, what about times when you don't feel loved? When you don't feel loved? Man, do I, I really do find comfort from the love of Jesus. You see, that's where a lot of us kind of go, man, I just, I just, listen, listen. One of the biggest problems in the world, specifically with, with youth and young adults, and probably everyone, let's just, let's just say that, is they don't feel loved. They don't feel worthy. They don't, they, they don't matter. And so they go through their lives and they, they, they smile and they, they keep it in. But to be honest, guess what? They don't feel loved. And, and, so, and so again, Paul is saying, is there comfort from his love? Well, maybe you're here today and you go, man, I don't feel love. God loves you. He loves you so much. And to him, you're precious. You're precious. He asks another question, don't want to belabor the point. He says, is there any fellowship in the Spirit? And you go, of course there is. We love that koinonia in the Spirit. And you know that. You know that when there's a brother who, who is in another state and he loves Jesus, your spirit bears witness with his spirit. You have fellowship with him. It's amazing. And he says, are your hearts tender and compassionate? Are they tender and compassionate? As we live in a world that seems to be getting darker and darker, are our hearts tender and compassionate towards others? Are we truly giving? Because then Paul says, hey, make my joy complete. Make my joy complete. How? By being like-minded. So what's he saying? He's saying you and I are called, you ready, to have a submissive mindset. You can jot this down, First Peter chapter 5, 5 and 6. It's going to be on the screen here. He says... Likewise, you younger people, submit yourselves to your elders. Yes, all of you be submissive to one another and be clothed with humility. Why? Why, Peter? For God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. Even Peter is saying that we must have a submissive mindset. Now, you've got to understand Peter. That is incredible coming from a man like Peter. For Peter was endowed with the gift of pride. Not so, Lord! Peter probably was a big fisherman. And, he was, and now he's humbled. He's like, no, 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 I realized. It took me a while. How many of you are slow, but you get there eventually? That's Peter. <laughs> You say, I'm slow, but I get there eventually. Yeah, that's Peter. Peter's like, oh, sorry, Lord. Yeah, okay. And he's like, hey, God, he actually resists the proud. He says he gives grace to the humble. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God. And in due time, he's going to exalt you. And you go, well, Ben, how? Well, if you weren't here last week, Paul teaches how to have the mind of Christ. You ready? He says, don't be selfish. Don't be selfish. Now, I dwelt on this all week long, and you know what? For me to say don't be selfish is a very hard thing to do. Why? Because we're selfish. Everything really revolves around self. Come on, be honest. Don't leave me up here alone, because it's the truth. We're sel- everything is about self, and it's hard. Uh, Lord, I want to have your mind. Help me not to be selfish. And then he says, 
value others above yourself. Value others. Wait a minute. That goes, that rubs me the wrong way. I'm not supposed to be selfish and now I'm supposed to lift you higher than me? <sighs> that means that when me and Adam go play golf, I have to let him win. That's what that means. I value him that much that I would let him win. And I would let him outdrive me if that's what it takes for him to be my friend. You see what I'm saying? And then he says, express concerns for other interests. I like what he says. He says, don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble. Thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out for your interests only, but take an interest in others too. I love the fact that Paul says, hey, go ahead and, and let everything that you're interested in fall to the wayside and just live to other. He goes, no, no, no. He says, that's okay. That's okay to have your interests, but don't just be selfish with your interests. He says, look out for the, other, for the others. Look out. He says, think of others. Put others. You want to have joy? Jot this down. You ready? Jesus, others, you. It's really simple. Jesus, others, you. And that is complete opposite of what you've been taught your entire life. Your entire life is you, Jesus, maybe others. I don't know. Family is in there. But this is what we do. We put Jesus first. We put others and then yourself. So what does Paul do? He paints, he paints a beautiful picture. As a matter of fact, as Peter writes in chapter 5, verse 6, therefore humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you. This is exactly the picture that Paul painted of Jesus. Philippians chapter 2, 5 through 11. Let's just get a review. Paul writes, let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself no reputation taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men and being found in the appearance of men, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Therefore, God has, all, has highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that the name of Jesus every knee should bow and those in heaven and those on earth and those under the earth, that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Did you see that? Paul paints a picture of humility. This is Jesus. This is God. This blows my mind. You say, why? Because think about it. Every earthly kingdom has its subjects. The king does not lower himself. The subjects bow to him. He's the king. Our king said, I'm going to be like one of them so I can reconcile them to me. And he's going to come in the form of a servant. Not once did Jesus go, you need to listen up or I'll just wipe you all out. He just says, I love you guys. I have a plan for you. I love you. I want you to be with me forever. And, and, and that's exactly what he does. And he gives us four characteristics so that we can have joy. You go, what's that? Number one, sacrifice. The question is, what are we willing to sacrifice for the sake of Christ? 
What are we willing to sacrifice? What are we willing to lay down? Number two, he says, he says we need to be servants. We need to be servants. Listen, church, if we're going to have the same mindset of Jesus, then we must be bond servants to the Lord. What does that mean? That means we're willing to serve whatever God wants us to do, even if, listen to me, even if you've never done it before. Hey, we need help here. I'll do it. Have you ever done it? No, but I'm willing because I love Jesus. I'll try. If you'll teach me, I'll do it. If I'll, do, I'll just serve. I'll just serve. Hey, Pastor Ben, I noticed that the plants outside, they're looking a little dirty. Can I come and, and clean them? Absolutely. Why? Well, I'm just willing to serve. I'm just willing to serve. I just want, I want our church to look smashing to people who come in. I want it to be amazing. We have to serve. Hey, Pastor Ben, is there anything that I can do during the week? Do you need help cleaning? Do you need, I've got, I've got, a, I've got a, an amazing set of skills and I've got tools. We, I, we just serve. We just serve. We're serving the Lord. The problem is, let me give you the problem. The problem is, as many of our servants, we want the pat on the back instead of just saying, I'm here to serve Jesus. We want, we want other men to, that's how we're taught. Oh, good job. Hey, and yes, you'll get the good job. Hey, thank you. Thank you. Good job. But keep in mind, if you're serving Jesus, you don't want men to rob you of the, the blessing in the crown. You're not serving man. Oh, thank you. And, and if we make a video, oh, come on up here. Come on up here. Look at us. Hey, everybody, look, he did great. Yeah. There, there's your reward. That's it. That's it. No, 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 no. I'm going to send my reward off. I want it in heaven. I don't, I don't need the accolades here. Come on, somebody. You with me? And the third thing, guys, is to be submissive. Our Jesus had the mindset to sacrifice and serve in submission. Question. Are we willing to submit to the Lord in all that we do? Are we willing to obey the Word of God in being an honor to the Father? Are you willing to obey? You go, of course. <laughs> Not a problem. I'm willing to obey right now. I'll obey the Word of God. Will you willing to obey when things get really hard? Are you willing to obey the Word of God when your job is threatened? Are you willing to obey the Word of God when your life is threatened? You see, we're living in a world where they could come and say, Are you a believer? I'm a believer. No, no, no. Are you a fully devoted father? Are you a disciple? You go, I'm a disciple. I love Jesus. Well, we, we've got a van outside waiting for you because we feel like you're a threat to our new world. You have a chance to renounce Jesus and live your normal life. If you don't, you'll need to get in that van. It's the law. What are we going to do, church? We have to love the Lord God with everything that we go, I'll get in the van. I'm not renouncing my God. I'm not. I'm going to obey the Word of God. We don't know what's going to happen in the next few months, years. We don't know. We have an idea of where this is going, the direction it's going, but that's where we are. And, and number four, the last one, look at me. Suffering. 
Now, we don't like this one. Listen, I can be a servant, I can be, I can be sacrificing, I can be submissive, but I don't want to suffer. Right? But the Lord says we're never more like Christ than when we suffer for the Lord. Now, I want you to notice the humility of Christ and the exaltation by God the Father. He's going, listen, one day, you don't understand, he's going to come, he's going to come as what? He's going to come as a, as a bondservant. But I'm going to lift him up that one day every knee will bow and every tongue confess. This is where we're at. This is where we're at. It's a great picture. It's a great picture. So, that's what we looked at last week. And we're continuing the mindset. I gave you that huge background so you could understand kind of what's going on. Listen, true joy in your life comes from being totally submissive to the Father. True joy. Now, the very last thing we talked about before service ended was this question. The painting that Paul, the portrait that Paul painted, let me ask you this, does it reflect you and me in our daily life? The painting, you go, what do you mean? Well, we have to stop and ask ourselves, Lord, am I really selfish? Am I really self-centered? Is it all about me? Lord, do I esteem others higher than myself, or do they annoy me? They bug me. Lord, do I... And again, we have to ask that. How, How does what Paul paints reflect? Why? Because the Word of God should be a mirror to our lives so that he can begin to correct us more gently and say, oh, okay, okay. You go, Ben, why do you ask that? Here's why. Listen, because Paul continues to paint an even greater portrait. Paul encourages the Philippians to continue pursuing God's transformative work in their lives. Now, here's what I want you to do. I want you to keep this in mind as we make our way through 12 through 18. When it comes to having a submissive mindset, we know, you ready, church? There will be sacrifice, And there will be service. Why? We saw that in the life of Jesus. But we're also going to see it in the life of Paul. Now, why would he distinguish Paul, Timothy, and Epaphrodites to Jesus? Because you and I, we could easily go, Ah, Jesus! He's God! (laughs) You can't do that. Paul says, no, no, no. Because Paul's human, and Timothy's human, and Epaphrodites is human, you could do it too. You see, I'm going to paint this picture, and, it, and, and he was fully God, and he was fully man, but, but we're going to talk about that in the weeks to come. So what are we learning? You ready? If you're taking note, we're learning to have a single mindset towards Christ, a single mindset. And this will lead us to a submissive mindset in him, to be submissive to him. You've got to have a single mind. You go, what does that mean? Does that mean I can't be married? Because uh, I, I have a single-minded, I'm just single for God. No, no, no. It means that your heart and everything in you belongs to Christ first. Everything. You see, when that happens, if you have a single mindset towards God, you will love your husband the way he needs to be loved. If you have a single mindset towards Christ, you will love your wife the way she needs to be loved. 
it's think about this. It's a giant. It's a giant triangle. Okay. This is you. This is her. And as you grow closer to God, what's going to happen? You're going to grow closer to each other. The farther away from God you get, the farther away you're going to be from each other. I have a single mindset towards God. Think about this. This is how a lot of marriages um, have a lot of stress in them. One is walking towards God and the other staying here. You're still far apart. This one says, no, 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 I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stay right here, baby. And she's, listen, both of us, all of us need to work with a single mind towards God. One heart. We grow closer to God. We go closer to each other. Okay, free marriage tip. You can jot that down. I'm not going to charge you for that one. So, if being single-minded towards Christ leads us to be submissive to Him, the question we have to ask is how? How so? Because as you and I seek to live, come on somebody, live for Christ, and we live for others, we are disciplined to grow in our submissive mindset. You go, Ben, 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 how does this happen in our lives? Well, here's what you need to know. When we allow the Holy Spirit to work in us and through us, we can't do any of this in the flesh. You cannot get up tomorrow morning and go, all right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be submissive to God. You, you, you won't do, you'll, you'll make two steps out the door and fall flat on your face. We will, guys, because in the flesh, I love me. In the flesh, it's all about me, right? In the flesh, that's what that song is. It's all about me, Jesus, right? That's, that's who we are. So I need the Holy Spirit so I can crucify the flesh daily and go, Lord, it's all about you. It's all about, how do you want me to, how do you want me to conduct myself today? Who, who do I need to speak to? Who do I need to share Christ? Who do I need to back off? Cause maybe I'm being, I'm being a little too aggressive with the God. Who do I need to back off? Lord, Holy Spirit guide me today on what I need to do. That's what we need to do. In order to have a single mindset and a submissive mindset, it has to come from above. It's a true work of God. True work of God. Listen to what Warren Wearsby writes. Quote, God works in us before he can work through us. God works in us before he can work through us. And he uses the word, he uses the spirit, and he uses prayer. You and I, as believers, should always take a step back and go, God, what are you doing in me before you can work through me? Unfortunately, church, you can't give what you don't have. And when you've been saturated in the love of God, then you can give that out on a daily basis. When you've been saturated by the Holy Spirit and you have tender-hearted in your compassion, you can give that. If you truly understand grace, now listen to me, then you should be able to give grace to others. But you've got to be saturated in it so that you can, you can have it. You can have it. If you were here today 
and you had $10 to your name. That's all you had. $10. Your bank account had $10 in it. That's all you've got. You're not sure when you're going to get any more money. You got $10. And I came and asked you for $1,000. You'd look at me and go, Ben, I can't give you what I... It's the same with God. When you're saturated with all that He has, and someone comes, hey, can I have some grace? Ah, yeah. Ah, yeah. How about love? Oh, man. Now, we don't condone people's sin, but we definitely want to love people back to life. So you go, what do we do? We, we saturate, saturate ourselves in Jesus. All of it. We saturate ourselves. <laughs> You are created as a vessel to take in so that you can pour out to people. That's what honors God. That's what honors God. So what does Paul do? Well, this morning he paints several pictures of of obedient believers. This is what he does. Seeking to obey, ready, ready, out of love for God. There are so many people who seek to obey out of hoping that they're going to please God. Well, I'm going to obey and I hope, and I'm going to cross my fingers and I hope that I win brownie points with God because when I die, I just want to go to heaven. That's not why we do it. We're already saved. We do it because we love God. We do it because we love God. You see, in my lifetime, over the past many, many years, I've got to be honest with you, when I first got married, I hated to wash dishes. I hated to, I don't know what it was, I just hated to wash, I just didn't wash, you know what, now, if I wanted to score brownie points with my wife, I'd wash the dishes, baby, hey, look at this, I'm washing the dishes for you, she's like, for me, you ate here too, yeah, but I'm washing, and I hated it, but as my love grew for Nathalie, to wash the dishes now is not for her, but because I love her, plus I eat off those dishes too. We should all help. Amen? Don't, don't, don't elbow your... Yeah. See? You should help. You know what this is? It's a vacuum. Get out there and do it. Okay, don't, don't do that. Don't do that. But let me just say this. Let me help you. You ready? It's not a woman's job to keep the house by herself. It's all of us, it's all of us helping wherever we can. Okay? And if you don't know how to wash clothes, you can learn. Anyway, that's, let's go, let's move on. Let's move on. We seek to, what? We seek to obey out of a love for Jesus. Lord, I love you, of course. Of course. And that's where we pick up our study, guys. Verse 12. You guys with me? Paul writes, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. What a beautiful picture. Why? Because Paul's saying, hey, listen, you always obeyed. You guys were always following. And he goes, when I was there, you followed my instruction. But but now that I'm away... He says, it's even more important. It's even more important. And he goes, well, Ben, what should, what should they do? 
what should they do? Here's what he's saying. He says, continue in obedience. Continue in obedience. Why? Because obedience is the evidence of the faith in God. Obedience is the evidence of the faith in God. In other words, if you are on trial and you go before a judge and they have, would they have enough evidence against you to convict you of being a believer? In other words, you will obey so much, they're like, yeah, guilty, guilty, <laughs> guilty, guilty. And that's what he's saying. He's saying, listen, when I'm there, you guys did amazing, but when I'm gone, how much more is it important? Because he, he appeals to the entire community to obey, which means adopting the attitude of Christ in the relationships with one another. This is key. This is key. Okay? He's saying this is what you need to do. And then he points out something very interesting. He says, here's how you do this. He says, work out your own salvation. Now, here's what I want you to do. I want you to realize it doesn't say work for your salvation. A lot of people will misunderstand this and go, oh, oh, there it is. I've got to work. I've got to work for my salvation. God, please smile down on me. I'm going to go out and I'm going to help the homeless people and I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this, and I'm going to, I'm going to you know, whatever it might be. No, no, no. He says, work out your own salvation. Work out. You go, well, Ben, okay, so what exactly does that mean? Paul emphasizes working out your own salvation is that obedience is intentional and purposeful. You're saying, okay, I've got to work out. I've got to work out. Paul's point is salvation, once received, must be put into practice through obedience. Through obedience. Okay? Let me illustrate it this way and see if you get the point. We need to work out our own self. We're already saved, but we need to work out. Anybody ever work out before? Okay, you can't name your bed Jim and then tell people you went to the gym in the morning. <laughs> How you doing? Went to the gym. Stayed at the gym all day. We can't say we worked out and buy a membership at the gym and just drive by. There's the gym. What did you do this morning? Went to the gym. You just drove by. What do you have to do? Park the car, walk in, and work out. Work out. Now, listen. Here's the silliest thing that I've seen boys do. Women, you guys are amazing, but I've seen boys do. They haven't been in a gym forever. They'll come in, and they'll try to live the heaviest weight they could ever do. Women are so much smarter than us guys. You'll see a guy come in and go, okay. And it's like, you haven't lifted ever, and they'll try to lift what everybody else is lifting. And, and, and it's so funny. I was on the, I was on the elliptical one day, and I saw this kid. It had to be, it had to be a high school kid, right? High school kid, he comes in, and, and I'm watching him over here. I'm watching him, um, where Lawrence is right there, and, and, and basically he puts on, he puts on some 25s. I'm going, okay. Now, now the bar's 45 as it is. And I'm just watching, and I'm going, no, 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 no. And so he kind of looks at, he's got, I mean, you guys know what I'm talking about. So he puts on a little bit more. And, and so he'll bring, he brings it down a little bit. And you can see him struggling. He's like this. <clears throat> and then he puts on some more. 
And he's like acting tough with his friends, and I'm watching in, and I'm like this. And so I'm just, I'm just doing my thing, waiting. And, and he puts it, he brings it down. Thump. He's like, help, help. And so I have to jump off my machine and go pull him. And I think, bro, you've got to work out slowly and grow. Oh, come on, guys. You've got to grow your muscles. And that's what he's saying. Every day, your obedience, you're growing your spiritual muscles to be like God. To be submissive. To be submissive. Why? Because you've already saved. And now it's time to grow. Work hard to show the results of your salvation with fear and trembling. That's why when Jesus said that you must be born again, that has come from born from above, because here's the thing, it's going to have to, it's from the inside, you're, you're working it out. And I love verse 13. You go, why? Notice what it says. For God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases Him. You ready? Jot this down. This is so important. It's called progressive sanctification. Progressive sanctification. Now, your attention, please. Here's what you need to know. When you first got saved, you're saved. Heaven is taken care of. Can I get a good amen? amen. Okay? But now, it's, you're, you're walking in sanctification. It's progressive. It's up the hill. You're going to be more like Jesus. You're working out your salvation. This is what you do. All right, you're working out. You're working out. You're not putting on too much weight. You're going, you're saying, okay, I'm going to go to... Now, now again, you guys know this. If you were to go to the gym today, Philip, and you were to lift some weights, you'd go home and you'd look in the mirror and go, nothing's happened, nothing's changed. Why? Because it's got to be done consistently. Now, Philip went to the gym every day, lifted heavy weights, and a year from now, be like, ah, Philip, you've gotten, you've gotten really strong. It's the same spiritually. We've got to do it consistently, guys. You've got to keep doing it consistently. What happens when you go to a gym, Abel, and you miss a week? Well, we won't, we won't ask Abel because he's a young kid. He's like, nothing? What? <laughs> we got to ask an older person. Because if you miss the day, you go back, go, man, I'm sore. I missed, I, I didn't work out last week and I took a week off and I'm just like, oh, man. So you can't miss. You got to keep moving. You got to keep moving. It's progressive Sanctification. Here's the application. You ready, church? If you and I are going to have joy in our life, we must fully obey the Lord Jesus. We must work hard to show the results of our salvation. We must do this with fear and trembling, which means honoring God, all the while knowing that God is working in us to give us the desire and power to do what pleases Him. You good? Now, here's verse 14. Notice what it says. Do all things without complaining or disputing. Now, we're all, we should all be busted right about here. Because he says, okay, so do all things. Do all things without... And, and, and you know what came to mind? A lot of us have the gift of complaining, don't we? It comes out naturally. That's just like... You can find the bad in everything. 
You can, I don't care how good. It's a beautiful. Yeah, but it's hot. I don't know why the sun has to burn our face to give us a good sunset. Wow, dude. You find, that's the, I mean, this is Paul saying, do, do all things, do all things. Have you ever been asked to do something and you do it, but you do it complaining and grumbling? Yeah, yeah. I'll do it. I'm doing it. I hate my life. And you, whatever it might be. Sweetie, can you vacuum? All right. You know, whatever. And you, no, 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 no. He says, do all things. All things. I, I, I want to be opposite of that. I want to be the optimist. I want to find the good in everything. It's like the little kid, right? This little kid, man, he was, he found the good in everything. Everything. And he was bugging his friends so much. His friends went home and said, Dad, this little kid, he just bugs me, man. It could be the worst day at school and he'll find something good about it. He just bugs me. He bugs me. And the dad says, I've got an idea. Invite him over to the house. Invite him over. They had this big old farm. And, and so what they did is they took him out to the barn and there was a big pile of manure inside the barn. Big pile of manure. And what they did... We'll see if he finds some good in this. They took the kid and they shoved him in there and locked the gate. Let's see if he finds something good about a big pile of manure. Next thing you know, the kid is jumping around and he's throwing the manure everywhere. And I said, I can't believe this. Why is he all happy? And they said, why are you so happy in a big pile of manure? He says, with all this manure, there's got to be a horse in here somewhere. <laughs> isn't, that the, isn't that how we should be? Not me, where we have the gift of complaining. So why is Paul telling us this, guys? It's not because he wants to zoom in in our hearts, but, but he wants us to be, he wants us to have unity and harmony. See, Paul writes, he says, he said, he said a couple of weeks ago, Paul wrote, I come and see you, or I'm absent. He, I mean, hear of your affairs, that you stand and fast in one spirit, with one mind, striving together with the faith of the gospel. And you remember what harmony means? It's an agreement among various parts of the body. We're in agreement. I know we're not all going to agree on everything, but there should be harmony towards the gospel. This is what he's saying. He's saying, are, or we are, should I say, to do all things without complaining or disputing, fighting with each other. Why? Here's why. Expressions of discontentment and arguing lead to a spirit of division within a community of believers. Paul commands the Philippians to abandon such things as to promote harmony. Paul contrasts the life of a believer in the lives of those who live in this world. Let me say this. Unsaved people complain and find fault. But Christians were called to rejoice. Now, again, think about this, guys. Think about this. Paul is commanding not only the Philippians, but for you and I to promote harmony. That should be our mindset. We're promoting harmony. Think about this for a second. Think about this. Everything your pastor does you may not agree with. And that's okay. But we have harmony. 
we have harmony. And what we want to do is avoid the spirit of, what's he saying? Division. Division. When you and I complain about the pastor, the leadership, each other, we're creating division. I'll let that sink in. We don't want to do that. Paul is saying, don't do that. Nothing stinks higher than when you and I complain about each other. I don't know why they have this. I don't know why that. Man, if I was in that church, that's not what God has called us to do. He's called us to what? To promote harmony of the gospel. Harmony of the gospel. It's easy for you and I to look at other churches, other people, other things, and complain. Well, I don't understand why they're doing this. I don't understand. Well, if it was... Sometimes we got to be like Paul. Paul told us in chapter 1, they're promoting the gospel through selfish gain. But you know what he said at the end of that? He goes, but you know what? As long as they're promoting the gospel, God will work it all out. There are a lot of churches, a lot of pastors that you and I would shake our heads. All kinds of crazy stuff, but at the end of the day, if they're promoting the gospel, we need to let God work that out. Because the moment I complain to you about another believer, I'm creating division. We don't want to do that. Ready? This is good. You're not perfect. I'm not perfect. Let's do life together. Quit looking at, oh, well, if you would just do this. Listen, here's the thing. Since it's, since it's football season, you and I, we need to keep running the ball up the field. We are, here's our goal. You ready? Our goal is to depopulate hell and populate heaven. And the best way for that not to happen is to get all of us grumbling and complaining I can't believe that. Yeah, yeah. Well, did you see Rita come in? We don't want to be grumpy old men and women. We want to just go, man, how are you doing? How can I pray for you? What do you need? What do you need? Smile at some people. It's okay. It's okay. Why? Think about it. I want you to think about it. Unsaved people complain and they find fault. But I'll tell you what breaks my heart when those professing to be Christian are super negative all the time. It rubs off on me so bad that I find myself complaining. I find I have to... I have to we have to be careful. Paul says, Do all things without complaining or disputing, that you may become blameless and harmless, children without fault in the midst of a crooked and perverse... Look at this among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding fast to the word of life, so that you may rejoice in the day of Christ and that I have not run in vain or labored in vain. Oh, it's going to get good. Ready? So we all know that the world is getting into a very dark place. Amen? It's getting dark. And if you and I have submissive mindsets to, towards Christ, we must do all things without complaining and disputing so that we can become blameless. You go, what is he saying? 
Well, I find it interesting because the Greek word for blameless means live in a way that no one can criticize you. Live in a way that no one criticizes you. That's what blameless means. But he also says harmless. He says live clean and innocent. Live clean and innocent. In a weird way, it's kind of what Joe Mayberry quotes every, every time you talk to him, right? What does he say? Hey, Joe, how are you doing? Hard work. Clean. That's exactly what Paul says. Work hard. Live clean. Live innocent. I'm like, Joe, he's not even here to, to get the accolade. There you go. See, he's not even here. But it's a very dark world, and we're supposed to live, we're supposed to work hard and, and live clean. Why? Because he says, in a dark, dark world, he says, you and I are to shine like lights. Shine like lights. Among whom you shine as lights to the world. Think about this, guys. Put yourself in the Philippian mindset, okay? It was a crooked and perverse generation here in Philippi. And, and basically, that's where they lived. And, and really, so do we. So what's the mission? To shine as lights. Jesus told the disciples that he is the light of the world. And another time he said, you are the light of the world, Matthew 5.14. So what does God do? He calls you and I to be Christians, followers of Christ. We are to live differently than the worldly people around us. Instead of pursuing materials and money and fame and fortune and achievement and pleasure, we're supposed to pursue Christ. We're supposed to pursue Christ. I love the example that Solomon gives us. Solomon, what do you want? Solomon says, I want wisdom to govern your people. I want to pursue you, Lord. And what did God do? God blessed him with all the other stuff. And that should be our goal too. Listen, church, listen. We must hold firmly to the word of God, to the gospel. Why? Because the gospel of Jesus Christ is the power of God unto salvation. We must not strip the gospel of its power by the way we live. You see, the gospel will save marriages. The gospel will heal. The gospel will set the drug addict free. The gospel will restore people's minds. The gospel of Jesus Christ will help those with in, 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 in mental disability to, to have clear, crisp minds. This is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I don't want to, by the way I live, strip it of its power. I want to be a light. I want to be a light. Not for me. I don't want people to go, well, Pastor... Wow, that's a, you know, whatever. I want people to go, wow, there's something different about you. There's something different. That's amazing. What is it? What is it? Every one of us in our lives, every one of us in our lives, we can look back and go, man, I wish I went to done that. And then God starts to work in you, and He's starting to, and He's starting to grow you. Guys, listen. I like what Paul says. Paul says, hold firm, guys. Hold firm. So that when Jesus comes back, when he comes back, he says, 
I know that what I preached was not in vain, and the work that called me to, it was not useless. Not useless. I was thinking about this in our context, and I was thinking about when you guys are, are put in situations and I hear about it, and you've been taught the Word of God, I go, yes! Amen. Amen. Wow. Not that I'm the teacher, because ultimately Jesus is the teacher through the power of the Holy Spirit. But as a pastor, as a shepherd, I go, yes, God, that's amazing. They got it. They got it. They got it. So if you and I truly want joy in our lives, hold firm to the word of life. And it refers to the message that brings life, which is the gospel. So Paul is going to end up teaching us with some great encouragement. Look at verse 17. He says, yes. And if I'm being poured out as a drink offering on the sacrifice and service of your faith, I'm glad and rejoice with you all. What is Paul doing? Paul is comparing his experience of sacrifice and service to that of the priest pouring out a drink offering. You can look at that in the book of Numbers. But I want you to think about this. Right now, Paul's trial may have been going on. Right now, he might have been in the midst of this. And, 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 I mean, it, it, it may have not been going so well. You, you ever have that? Like, like you sort of feel, get the feeling you could lose. You're like, oh, this isn't going good. But for Paul, it meant death. It meant death. But I love that Paul didn't, did not, he didn't let this rob him of the joy. He didn't let him. He's like, hey, it might not be going well, but that's okay. That's okay. Because in verse 18, notice what he says. For the same reason, you also be glad and rejoice with me. He says, yes, you should rejoice because I'll share in your joy. I'll share in your joy. Hey, take a moment. Can you imagine if you were in the same circumstances as Paul? It's not going well. Someone comes up to you and says, how are you doing? It's not going well, but it's okay. Well, why are you smiling? Why? Because God is good. Yeah, but, but, but life stinks for you right now, yeah? It's okay. How you doing? You doing okay? Why are you smiling? Because God is good. And I feel like Job. Do you ever feel like Job? Why should I take only the good and not the bad? Why should I only take... Listen, listen. Hey, let me ask you a question. You ready? Is God God or not? Is God God or not? Well, if He's God and He holds you in the palm and He loves you so much, guess what's going to happen? It's all going to work out. But but Ben, 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 but but you don't know my path. You don't know how much. It's all going to work out. It's all going to work out. Sacrifice and service are marks of a submissive mindset. We saw it in verses 7 and 8, and we're going to see it in verses 21 and 22 and actually 30. So kind of keep that. Now, let me give you some application, okay? We must today take into consideration the submissive mindset. Also, that submissive mindset experiences joy even in the midst of suffering. But it depends on what side we're looking at. For example, it was 
Dr. Dwight Pentecost one day was trying to comfort a woman who had had passed through some severe trials. Failing in his efforts to cheer her up and dispel her doubts, he looked down at some embroidery she was working on. He marveled at the confusion of threads. Why waste time on a thing like this, Dwight said. Turning the embroidery over, she said, now look at it. You are seeing it from the wrong side. That's it, exactly, said Dr. Pentecost. You are looking at your trials from the wrong side. Turn them over and look at them from the right side. That is from God's side. The Lord is working out a design of his own for your life. And you must look at things from his point of view and trust his workmanship. It's how are you looking at life? A submissive mindset says, Lord, I need to look at it from your point of view. Now, as we close, remember we're living in a very dark world. I didn't have the time to tell you everything that's going on in our world, but you know this. You know that there are uh, the AI um, are trying to rewrite the Bible and take out all the stuff that you know that um, you're being threatened by another pandemic another lockdown. You know all the darkness that's going in the world. We have the spirit of Antichrist that's going to lead to Antichrist. We know that. We are living in the days, church, where we, where people are calling evil good and good evil. So here's our takeaway. You ready? Here's our takeaway from today's lesson. If you want joy in your life, in the midst of every circumstances, be a light shining bright for Jesus. Be a light. And let me give you three ways that we can grow from our text. You ready? Understand progressive sanctification. You go, what does that mean? Grow more like Jesus every day. Grow more like it's consistent, right? You're gonna you, you always get the picture of working out, working out, lifting weights. Grow consistently. You've got to keep doing it consistently. Number two, shine bright for Jesus. Shine bright for Jesus. Reflect Him. Right? When you were little. If you, uh, if you were like me and you went through the cereal aisle and you picked out only the cereal that came in with the coolest toys, that was me. But there was times that there would be a reflector and you would get it in and remember you would put it up to a light and you'd hold it there for like 500 years and you'd sit there like that and then you'd run into a dark room and it would just glow. It was the coolest thing. And then you'd run out and you'd put it up to the light and then you'd run back in. Ah, it's glowing. That's how we should be with Jesus. We run into his presence, we get filled, and now we're glowing. We're glowing. It should remind you of Moses when Moses was in the presence, right? That he had to put on a veil because he was glowing so much. Well, I just want to glow. Shine, shine bright for Jesus. Why? The light shines, what? The light shines the brightest in a dark world. And the world is very dark. It's time for us believers to step up. 
We need to love through word and action. I'm praying for you, bro. Well, I could use a meal. Well, I'm praying that you get a meal. No, no, no. Give them a meal. Love through action. We need to show compassion. We need to show compassion. We need to, we need to show that Christ can be united whatever color we are. We don't need our government to tell us we have the Word of God. Because underneath, we're all the same. We're brothers and sisters. We're family. And you and I, we need to preach the gospel because Christ is the real solution to all these problems. Number three. You ready? Run the race that's set before you. Don't be looking at somebody else's lane. It's hard to run a race when you're looking at somebody else's and, and wondering why they're not running. It's hard to run your race in your lane when you keep looking back to see who's, who's running. Just run your race. And you'll change the world. You'll change the world. How will I change the world? Because if you run your race that's set before you, you'll change the world by building God's kingdom, by sharing the gospel and winning souls. That's how you'll change the world. Now, today, we get to partake in communion together. Amen. And the ushers are going to come forward to pray. Let's take a moment to get our hearts ready to receive. As the elements are being passed out, I'm going to talk to you briefly about the Lord's Supper. First and foremost, the Word of God says not to take partake in an unworthy manner. An unworthy manner simply means... Guys, that we're not right with God. You're not right with God. And, and again, in a crowd, this I don't know. You might be right. You may not be right. But here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to give you an invitation today to open up your heart and say yes to Him. If you're here today and you go, Pastor Ben, I don't know if I'm right with God. But you want to be. Would you do me a favor? Go ahead and pass those out, Keon. Would you do me a favor? If you're here and you're not right with God and you want to be, would you just lift up your hand right now? Say, Pastor, pray for me. I want to know Jesus. I want Him. God bless you. Anyone else? I got you. I see you. Father, I pray for these hands that were raised. And if you raised your hand, would you, just, would you just pray this with all of your heart and just say, Lord Jesus, I repent for my unbelief. I have not lived for you at all. But today, I repent. I believe in you. I'm going to serve you. I believe you died on the cross for me and you gave your life to me. Father, I need help. I'm asking you to come into my heart and be my Lord and be my God and be my Savior and be my friend. I choose this day to follow you, Jesus, and forever I'm yours. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, at Calvary Chapel we have open communion, which means you're welcome to take communion. You go, well, what is communion? Well, when you get the elements, just hold them in your hand for a minute, guys. Just hold them in your hand. Because 
not only is this a serious thing, but it's also a celebration. Celebration. You go, well, Ben, I'm saved, but you said something about an unworthy manner. Yes, you might be here and you might be harboring a little bit of bitterness towards somebody. You might have not confessed to the Lord something. You might be uh, struggling. It's okay. Because it's serious, you can come to the Lord and you can just ask him to forgive you right now. You can hold on to the elements and say, God, please forgive me. I'm sorry. I'm sorry I'm angry at my neighbor. I'm sorry I'm angry at my wife. I'm sorry I'm angry at my husband. Lord, we, we had this big old fight before we came to church. And uh, and he'll forgive you. That's, that's the beauty of it. To celebrate. To celebrate. So we definitely want to look within. We want to look deep, deep within our hearts and confess anything that needs to be confessed to Him. Let's not be prideful. Let's walk humbly and say, God, I'm not clean. Help me. Thank you for your grace and your mercy and your compassion and your love. And when that's done, guys, I wanted you to take a moment to look back at your lives. And thank Him for everything He's ever done. Thank you, God. Thank you, you've brought me this far. Thank you for your blessings, Lord. I thank you. I thank you, God. I walk in your will. And last but not least, guys, we're going to look forward to all that God's going to do as we shine bright for God's kingdom. Shine, we're going to thank Him. And pray that one day we'll get to partake. We'll get to partake with Him in heaven. You see, Jesus told us in the book of Luke that one day, He says, I'm not going to partake of this until, until we're all together in the kingdom. Well, we're taking it here, so that means we're not in the kingdom. But I can't wait for that day when we get to partake communion. I don't know what it's going to be like. I don't know what we're going to fall on our face and worship. We're going to rejoice. We're going to scream and cry and just love on Jesus. I don't know. But I know that one day we're going to do that. We're going to see him face to face. Please, if you didn't raise your hand, don't leave here today without getting right with God. Come and see me. See, see one of the pastors. See one of the elders. Just come and say, hey. Yeah, yeah. Hold on to them because we're going to take, we're going to partake as a family. So hold on to your elements. Father, we thank you for these elements. We thank you that we can partake as a family. God, we talked about family today. How cool is that? Father, we're taking a moment to look deep within our hearts. We confess our sins to you. Father, we confess when we failed you. We confess, Lord, when we misrepresented you. We confess all of that. Lord, forgive us. Thank you for living inside us. Lord Jesus, we're going to take a moment and look back. Look back at all the beautiful things you've given us. And Lord, how you blessed us. 
Lord, thank you for what you've done in our lives. Thank you for our children. Thank you for our grandchildren. Thank you for our elderly parents. Just thank you, thank you, thank you that, that you're still God. And Father, we want to look forward to what you're going to do. We're going to look forward to one day, Lord, this, this church just exploding with family. And one day, we're going to be able to partake with you in heaven. And we look forward to that day. So thank you. So together as a family, if you lift up the bread, this is the body that was broken, the new covenant. And we believe it's symbolic of Jesus and the new covenant of forgiveness of sins. So let's take the bread together. This is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. When supper was ended, he took the cup and said, this is the new covenant. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's take the cup together. Father, I thank you for you, for your word. I, uh, I thank you for what we learned today. I pray that every one of us would walk out of here with a submissive mindset. And as we worship you, Lord, let this be a celebration of communion. We worship you. I'm going to pray a blessing over you, and we'll worship, and we'll be dismissed. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and give you peace and hope. In the name of Jesus, amen. We hope you enjoyed today's message. We'd love to hear from you and see you in person at the church. You can find our contact information, location, and even give a donation at calvarychapellubbock.church. We'll see you next time on the podcast. Until then, may God bless you and your family.